A reading from the Old Testament, Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be, shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out of lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree, shall, there shall, shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food, shall be dust. There shall be no hurt or destroy on all of my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The New Testament lesson is from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today is a day of new beginnings, a day of new life. Today we celebrate the, yes, the most pivotal moment in all of human history. I mean, if you were to even just look back in your history books, you know, we take the whole, you know, message of church out of this, just look in your history books from the time 2,000 years ago at how this one day radically shaped the rest of human history. It's astounding. And today, over 2,000 years later, we continue to celebrate this 
not just because of the way that it completely changed the world, but because of what it means for our lives today and moving forward. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ our Lord. And resurrection is about new life, believe it or not. In resurrection, there is no going back to old life. There is only the new. As Paul says later on in Scripture, the old has passed away, the new has come. Our passage from the prophet Isaiah this morning tells us that God is creating anew. All things. Verse 17, for I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. How wild is that? A new, new earth and new heavens. And what has been shall not even come back to mind. Instead, we are glad and we rejoice forever in what God is creating. God says, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. God is creating new things. And this is what God is in the business of doing. From the very beginning, God speaks into the void, into nothingness, and brings new life out of it. And there's light. And there's the waters and the earth. And there's the plants and the trees and all the foliage that covers the earth. And the sun and moon and stars are placed in the sky. And animals populate the earth. And then we are brought into the earth. God has been in the business of creating new life for a very long time. But here's the thing. Even on that seventh day, though God rested, God wasn't finished. God is still in the business of creating new life. And we get to see this uh, all throughout human history, but we also get to participate in it today. Not only are we also created anew in Christ Jesus, we get to be a part of God's creating work, of God's enduring power of transformation in the world. As much as humanity is capable of great harm, and over the course of history we've seen great harm come out of humanity, we are also capable of great good. And some of the ways that I see this great good come about and see the work that we have in creating uh, new life and bringing goodness into the world uh, come in a number of different ways that I've seen just recently. Uh, my wife, Kristen, who's the associate pastor over at Ashland Place, she loves plants. You might have heard me say before, they don't always love her back. <laughs> she loves plants. She loves decorating the house with plants. She loves gardening. And, uh, and, and about a year ago, she uh, planted some plants, and they were, I mean, just gorgeous out in our front garden. And it wasn't too terribly long before they died out. And I would like to accredit that to the fact that the soil's just bad there or something like that. Uh, but there might be other factors. <laughs> but then, about three or four weeks ago, we saw one red flower pop back up. And then another red flower pop back up. 
And then another red flower popped back up. It was amazing to see these flowers just springing back to life. But she, she really loves gardening. She really loves just being able to nurture and care for something like that. And since then, she's uh, planted even more things in the garden to really fill it out. Gardening, and I know that some of you are, are really into it around here. I'm not very good at it. I, 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 while Kristen loves plants and they don't love her back, plants don't love me. And I don't, I'm pretty you know, indifferent towards plants. They're really nice and pretty to look at, but I'm not much of a gardener. But gardening is one of the ways that we have the opportunity to participate in God's work of bringing new life. The way that, uh, that gardening just transforms the earth, literally transforms the earth just by the work of our hands. One of our best friends is a nurse. And she has uh, done some incredible things in her life. For a time, she worked in, uh, pedi in the pediatric ER here in Mobile. I cannot fathom ever doing that. And, and right now, she actually works for a uh, hospice service as, a, as an RN. Uh, so she's seen both sides of life. She is hands down the most compassionate and kind and caring person I have ever met even in the face of all of the trauma that she has witnessed working in pediatric ER and also working in end-of-life care. I mean, that's like her job is being there whenever people are going through their hardest times. And she approaches it with such grace and compassion. You know, we take our health care workers for granted. They are some incredible people, and they've been through a lot over the past two years. This is just another way that I've seen the way that we are able to contribute to the new life that God is working in our world. Just by simply being there, whenever people are going through their hardest moments, we are able to speak life into what they are going through. I also see this in the people who are going out of their way to provide relief in Ukraine. And not just Ukraine, but countries all across the globe. Um, most recently in Ukraine, certainly, but people go out of their way to care for people they've never met before. People they probably would have never met if they wouldn't have gone out of their way for them. People that are on the other side of the globe for them. We are capable of great good, even in the people who are here in our own community, caring for people in our own community. Because even right here in Mobile, there's great suffering, poverty, homelessness, hardships that we might not be able to imagine some hardships we might be very familiar with. And there are people working here in our community out of love and compassion. And so through examples like this, I, I witness the way that we as a people are capable of, of great good and participating in the ongoing work of recreation, of bringing new life into, into the world. But my question for us today that I hope that we can reflect on is, are we doing great good in our world because of the risen Christ? Doing good work is pretty natural in general. Not too much good work. Too much good work is exhausting for some reason. Uh, but doing good work because of the risen Christ gives us, well, a reason. And as we receive the gospel message, the good news of what Christ has done for us, I want us to consider how much good work we do because of that good news.
Now, the first preachers of the gospel, the first preachers of the gospel, anybody know who they were? Wrong. <laughs> that was great. Well, uh, not, not entirely wrong, but... Uh, and, and it wasn't even Peter. The very first preachers of the gospel were the women. Yes. And now I say it's not entirely wrong to say the disciples because the women were disciples. They just weren't considered disciples by the culture. But it was the women. The women were the ones who were at the empty tomb and saw for themselves the empty tomb and received the words from the angel. And in other gospels are the ones who encountered Christ along the way, the first to encounter the risen Christ along the way. The women were the first preachers of the gospel, which makes it hilarious that some people don't, still don't like uh, women preaching from the pulpit. I'm very proud of the women in my life who preach from the pulpit. My wife, if you've, if you've ever heard her speak, you know she's just phenomenal at declaring the good news. Uh, but, but even, I mean, it's not just today's day and age. Even back then, whenever these women received this good news, they took it first to the disciples because the disciples needed to be the ones who then take it out into the world. But when they tell the disciples what they experienced, what they witnessed, Luke tells us that these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Women have not been believed for a very long time. Uh, and in, in the day and age that uh, Luke is talking about for us, uh, women were considered probably the most untrustworthy source. Uh, I don't know why uh, men are just dumb and they think less of women for some reason. I, terrible habit uh, that has gone on for far too long. But they hear this good news and they believe that the words that the women have brought have no purpose, have nothing for them. They believe it to be an idle tale. Even after all they have witnessed Jesus do, right? This is the guy who performed countless miracles in their presence. This is the guy who actually raised people from the dead. And they still did not believe. Was it because the women were the ones telling them, or is it because it's just too difficult to believe that this resurrection could even happen? Even after Jesus told them that all of this was going to happen, Jesus told them, I must go and be handed over into the hands of sinners that they might crucify me, but I will rise again on the third day. How many times Jesus actually told them, we're not really sure. But I imagine it was enough times that they should have remembered. But yet, they hear these words and they still do not believe. They simply could not get beyond their disbelief. And I wonder how often this message feels like an idle tale to us. But for a different reason. You see, we've heard the Easter story before, and perhaps it feels like that's all we really talk about. Uh, I saw a wonderful meme uh, on social media recently that shows a person uh, coming to Easter service and say, great message today, preacher, but it feels like the only thing you ever talk about while I'm here is resurrection. And the preacher says, you should come more often than Easter. <laughs> 
But perhaps this has become an idle tale to us because we've been here before. We've been through this before. We've heard the Easter story before. So do we let it have meaning for us or is it just an idle tale? Something that's going to happen again next year, just like it happened last year and the year before, and something that's going to happen the year after that. It's just become a part of our routine. Is it an idle tale? Or do we believe it wholeheartedly? Is it an idle tale? Or is it something that moves us to live transformed lives? For the disciples, it appears as though their faith died with their teacher. They no longer believe. And in this moment, we see the women looking for life among the dead, just as they did at the tomb. They're looking for the excitement and the vigor of the disciples, looking for life in their faith. But it seems like it's not even there anymore. And it's not the first time they've been looking for life among the dead. The angel tells them, uh, whenever the women get to the tomb and they're looking for Jesus, thinking that he might have been stolen or I don't know what happens, uh, the angels tell them, why do you look for the living among the dead? In other words, the living can't be found among the dead. The, these words uh, spoke volumes to me as I have been looking at the activity of the church and Christians in our world today. Uh, not just this church and Christians in our community, but uh, really across the globe, or I guess more specifically in, in the West. Um, the church and Christians today, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of life. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of vigor, of energy, of excitement about the good news. We often, like the disciples, seem to just be hearing an idle tale. There's the preacher again talking about Jesus. And we got to be here Sunday morning because that's what we've always done. That's what we're just going to do on Sunday mornings. Maybe it's become an idle tale to us and it's one that no longer prompts action and love in our lives. Does this message move us anymore? You see, without such faith, can we really say that we are living into the new creation that God is doing? Without living faith, faith that is growing, faith that is moving, faith that is active, rather than faith that is just stagnant or faith that is just there because we feel like it's supposed to be there. You know, medically, a person is dead when they their bodies have become stagnant. Their cells have stopped operating. Their heart is no longer beating. There's no longer electric pulses uh, running through their nervous system. They've just stopped. Our faith works very much the same way. Dead faith is faith that has just stopped. Stopped right, right in its tracks. Is no longer growing, is no longer thriving, is no longer learning or taking in, and is no longer going out in order to grow the faith of others. So without faith, without this kind of faith, this living faith, can we really say that we are living into the new creation that God is doing? A living faith cannot be found among disciples who act as if they were dead. It's just not possible. 
Faith requires action. In the words of James, faith without works is dead. These disciples live as though the message that informs their faith is but an idle tale. And we need to hear this good news anew. Just as we need new life within us, we need this message to take new life within us. We need to bear witness to the new life that God is trying to work in our lives. We need to do what the disciples could not do on that very first Easter day. Believe. Allow this message to have meaning for us. Allow it to be something more than just an idle tale or something that we've heard over and over again or something that we just refuse to believe because there's no way it could be possible. It needs to be something that moves in us and grows in us because this is the first step of discipleship. Now, discipleship grows out of believing in something that is worth committing our lives to. To be a disciple is to be a lifelong learner of something that matters to us. And I, this is just in general for the word disciple, a word, uh, a word that comes out of what we might understand as discipline, but we've taken discipline in a different direction than what it used to be, uh, which is simply to bear instruction. Disciples were called disciples because they were bearing the instruction of Christ, following Him, learning from Him, growing in Him. To be a disciple is to be a lifelong learner of something that matters to us. Uh, disciples who cling to stuff that don't matter to them become really bad at their job or whatever they're studying. It, whatever they're studying, whatever they're learning becomes an idle tale. For them, it's not anything that's going to produce life. But if, and if we cannot believe in that which can matter to us, then it's not going to hold any conviction or purpose for us. Fortunately, today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day of new life in which we remember and celebrate the resurrection in which God is preparing to make all things new to recreate in our world. God is working in this place as well to bring about something our world desperately needs. Disciples. Our world desperately needs disciples. That's how God has chosen to transform the world, through the people who are willing to follow in the lessons of love and grace and kindness. That's astounding. God has chosen us to be world changers. But we cannot do this with idle faith or dead faith. It must be a faith that is alive. We need to be people who are willing to learn and follow and commit our lives to love in order to see the new creation that God is working on. Committed to this. We need to be disciples who do not simply hear an idle tale in the good news, but hear exactly what we need to hear that Christ died and was resurrected for us out of love and for no other reason but love. Not because of anything that we did or could ever do, but because of love. And so my challenge for each and every one of us today is to find life in discipleship. In other words, don't let the Easter message be the end. Because it wasn't the end. 
the disciples sat there listening to this, what they called an idle tale from these women, to hear the end? No, they were trying to tell them, no, it's a new beginning. But they believed it to be the end. Their teacher, the one they called Savior, was dead, right? No, resurrected. New life was coming out of this. And so we seek to find this new life in discipleship, to carry on in the work that God is doing in our worlds as disciples, people who are, commit, who are committed to lifelong learning of something that is meaningful to us, something that matters to us. We need disciples, people. We need people who aren't going to let this be the end, but be a new beginning. We need people, and whenever I say we, I mean we as in every single human being on the face of this planet. We need disciples, people who are willing to live their lives for love because of the love that was shown for us. If you remember that question I asked earlier, are we doing great good in our world because of the risen Christ? That word because there, that contingent clause in all of this is so important. We do what we do in life because of Christ. Because of what Christ has done for us. We let this good news matter to us. We let it mean something to us that we can now go out into the world to make a difference and participate in the life that God has called us to. Resurrected life. New life in new creation. For the glory of God and for the salvation of all people. Let us take this good news as disciples moving forward and let us live that life of good news for as long as we have breath in our lungs. And let us pray.